Good morning. Good morning. We would like to welcome the pastor who is giving us our message today from the pulpit. Thank you so much, Reverend Kathy. Yes. Grace to you and peace from God the Creator and from Jesus Christ, our teacher and redeemer, and from the Holy Spirit who binds us together in Christian worship. I want to welcome everyone to worship this morning, whether you are here in person, whether you have joined us via Zoom. We are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. And we will begin our worship by lighting the Christ candle. Whenever we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I would invite you to use the words in the bulletin as a centering prayer to help guide you into this time and space as we listen to the prelude.
Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. With hearts ready to serve, God turns our mourning into singing and our sorrows into laughter. With hope and expectation, God turns our weeping into celebration and our grief into shouts of joy. Come before the Lord with yearning, with hearts ready to serve. Let us join our voices together in singing hymn number 62. Before the mountains were brought forth and the seas began to roar, you are God. You make us like grass, which flourishes in the morning and fades in the evening. In the blink of an eye, we turn back to dust. For a thousand years in your sight are like a watch in the night. Restore us, O Lord, and heal us with your saving love. For we are your people, and you are our God. Amen. Please be seated. Our spirits are like new grass. At the dawn they spring up fresh, but by sunset they dry up and wither, blown away in spiritual death. Let us, let us confess our frailty before our merciful God. Let us pray. May your love, eternal God, move all that stands before it. We yearn to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, but often find such love beyond us. Nurture us in your healing love, that fear may hold no sway over us. Amen. And hear us now as we confess in the silence of our own hearts. us to fulfill the law of love by loving as we have been loved. In fulfilling the law of love, we fulfill the law and the prophets. In fulfilling the law of love, we find forgiveness and peace. Amen. People of God, by fulfilling the law of love, we are brought into unity with Christ and with one another. Let us celebrate this unity by sharing the signs of Christ's peace with one another. The peace of Christ be with you and also with you. 
It's on. Okay. Yay. Step one. Megan, would you just kind of gently, gently shake that during our presentation? Okay. We're going to hear about stewardship for our church a little bit later on. But you know, we've been talking about heifer for several weeks now, and we'll continue to do that. And heifer is one of the great stewards of our time, uh, Heifer International, because steward really means manager. So we're managers here on earth for God. And it's up to us to manage what's going on to, um, to increase things, to increase our help towards others. If we look in Luke, one of the verses says, if you have two shirts and another person does not have any, what should you do? Give him the one shirt. And it's the same with food. And it's the same with animals, the animals that Megan loves. Um, let's chickens are the best. That's that's a side. That's an ad lib from her. Um, okay, the gift ark provides two cows, two sheep, two oxen, two water buffalo, two pigs, two beehives, two goats, a community animal vet kit, two trios of ducks, two trios of rabbits, two trios of guinea pigs two flocks of geese, two flocks of chicks, two alpacas, and two schools of fish. And once that ark is filled, it starts to multiply, as animals do. And that's where the stewardship comes in. We end up sharing that animal or the products that that animal can produce, such as eggs. And we can start to help the village and take care of our fellow man. That's what we're supposed to do as stewards, take care of our fellow man, take care of our earth. And this program does all of that and more. So we will appreciate your help in filling the ark, as Betty has inspired us to do, um, and we can do it by putting money in the little box, or we can send a check to the church, or we can give cash to the church, or we can do it electronically, and that information is in the bulletin. Thank you very much. Thanks, Let us pray. Lord Jesus, your understanding of scripture astonished and humbled all around you. Send your spirit to illumine this word, that our understanding and wisdom may be increased. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 1 through 2, and 15 through 18. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice, you shall judge your neighbor. 
You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The gospel lesson this morning is from the gospel according to Matthew. It's found in chapter 22, and I'll be reading verses 34 through 46. Listen for the word of God. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. May God bless this reading and hearing of this, the Holy Scripture. Amen. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I've never had a chance to see it up on the wall before. (laughs) I feel like I'm in the first pulpit I had as a pastor, the position I was ordained to. The pulpit was higher than my comfort level. 
I feel like I'm hiding back here. I complained so much that they built me a little step stool so I could feel like I was up a higher. But I've learned to deal with almost anything and this is not a problem. <laughs> In Jewish circles, the single most famous verse from the Torah is the so-called Shema from Deuteronomy 6. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear or listen, and it comes from that verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Shema was traditionally recited by every Jewish child and adult at the start of each day and at the conclusion of each day. In other words, there was no single verse from the entire Torah that the average Jew knew better than this one. So when Jesus responded to the Pharisees' tricky question by quoting a portion of the Shema, he was throwing back in their faces something they took to be exceedingly basic, something that was second nature to even the youngest Jewish child. It is a reminder of the time Karl Barth is said to have been asked what he thought was the most profound of all theological truths. I have this written down and you'll understand why. Instead of giving some jargon-laden academic answer that used words like perichoresis, kenosis, or the insuperable transcendence of God's prevenient grace as it comes through the vicarious superrogation of the sun, instead of saying things like that, Bart simply said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That answer was charming and disarming. Bart said the truest, the greatest truth is the one you already know the one all Christians know, the one a three-year-old can sing about. In Jesus' case, he was slyly insulting the Pharisees, demonstrating to everyone there that the Pharisees were not really interested in seeing if Jesus could answer their question, since even the youngest person there knew that answer already. This was not a difficult question. It was like asking Albert Einstein, do you know what two plus two equals? This is basic elementary stuff. And yet they were trying to trick him. Hard to understand. You folks have been on the Matthew 25 journey. I was asked if I would preach on this today for you, for your pastor who's not here, for the pastor who was supposed to be here and can't be here because she's homesick. The second string is in. We'll see how it goes. One of my professors spoke of a young couple who wanted to write their own wedding vows. Instead of vowing to stay together until death, they wanted to say, for as long as our love shall last. As the professor noted, mistaking affection for love could mean they would divorce following their first real argument, which would probably be about 45 minutes into the reception. <laughs> if we allow our culture's definitions of love to define what Jesus meant, then surely we will miss his point. Neither lust nor affection is at the heart of the faith. So what then did Jesus mean when he said that we are to love God and neighbor? Scholar Doug Harris points out that love in the biblical tradition is marked by concretely expressed commitment. To love is to have an unwavering commitment to another, a commitment that expresses itself tangibly. Love, as Jesus uses it here, is a call to commit oneself fully and concretely to both God and neighbor. 
a hard, hard thing to do sometimes. There is no question in the Bible or in the history of the church that love is the center of the Christian universe. It is one of three things, along with faith and hope, that lasts forever and is the greatest of the three. It is the power that moves the world. It is the basic magnetism holding everything together. God's love for us and our love for him and for each other. Just as carbon is the universal element of physical life, love is the universal element of spiritual life. If I have not love, Paul said, I have nothing. And he meant that literally, nothing. Matthew Henry said, love is the spring and fountain of all the rest. But the word, as we know, is much abused in these days. Love has been cheapened down to a Pavlovian response. Love has a million imposters and many things that aren't love try to pass for it. How can we tell? What's the difference between Hollywood love and the love of God? What is the difference? God's love asks us to give of our whole selves. To give as if it was the only reason we were put on earth. And it is. The Matthew 25 church is to show its love for its neighbors as itself. To show its love so that those neighbors will see something in them that they don't have and want to become part of the fellowship so they can grow in that fellowship and love. The Matthew 25 church wants us to combat racism. How do you do that? Intellectually, you could share all kinds of what's and why's and wherefores, but in the end it comes down to, I love that person, it makes no difference what color they are, what religion they hold, where they live, what job they do. Matthew 25 Church wants us to be vital, to share with the world the love of Jesus Christ. And we know that in this day and age, that love is needed more than ever before. How is it that fistfights can break out on airplanes? How is it that people will walk into a church and stab somebody because his views don't match the one who is doing the stabbing? How is it that Asians can be blamed for the flu that happened in a far-off place? How is it that people from Africa have been held as slaves both to work the land centuries ago, but even in this day and age where they don't have the same rights that the rest of us have? How is it that people who live next door have never been invited to church with you? How is it that we are supposed to respond to the love that Jesus has shown us? There's a story about a little boy who is sitting in his mother's lap, as he did often, and they were in a rocking chair, and he was turned facing her. And he looked up into her eyes and he says, after he looked for a while, Mommy, I see myself in your eyes. And she said, you'll always be there. Mommy, are you in my eyes? And she looked hard and she said, yes, I'm there. And he stopped for a moment and he got a smile on his face and he curled up back in her lap and they continued to rock. 
It's about Jesus being in your heart, in your eyes, in your actions, in your beliefs, in your everyday activities. Lewis Austin, in a book called This I Believe, wrote, Our Maker gave us two hands, one to hold on to him and one to reach out to his people. If our hands are full of struggling to get possessions, we can't hang on to God or to others very well. If, however, we hold on to God who gave us our lives, then his love can flow through us and out to our neighbor. Love is not blind. Love is the only thing that sees. An amazing thought, to be sure. Legend has it that a wealthy merchant traveling through the Mediterranean world, looking for the distinguished Pharisee Paul, encountered Timothy, who arranged a visit to see Paul. Paul at the time was a prisoner in Rome. Stepping inside a cell, the merchant was surprised to see a rather old man, physically frail, but whose serenity and magnetism challenged the visitor. They talked for hours. Finally, the merchant left with Paul's blessings. Outside the prison, the concerned man inquired, what is the secret to this man's power? I have never seen anything like it before. Did you not guess, replied Timothy? Paul is in love. The merchant looked bewildered. In love? Yes, the missionary answered. Paul is in love with Jesus Christ. The merchant looked even more bewildered. Is that all? Smiling, Timothy replied, Sir, that is everything. Michelangelo worked all kinds of art. He had a block of marble. And he looked at that block of marble, and he looked at that block of marble. And finally... He knew what he was going to do with it. And so he chipped away at it day and night for a long, long time. And eventually, the statue of David emerged. He saw what was in there. God gave him the vision. And he just kept chipping away little by little until he got to the beauty within. I've had the joy of being able to see that in Rome. It's an amazing piece. I know I have trouble with a box of crayons and a piece of paper. I cannot even imagine taking a block of something and trying to figure out what to do with it. As a child, we would get a bar of soap and be allowed to whittle away at it. Not so good for me. We have to keep chipping away at it in order to get to what it is that God wants us to do and be. Chip away the stuff that gets in the way of being the best person that you can be. Chip away at the anger and the upset, at the disillusionment, at the need for more. Chip away until you find the love of God in yourself. And it is free to flow to others. For you see, that's what we're called to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and might and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Chip away. You'll get there. Amen.
I'm supposed to do something now, right? Second string's lost her place here. <laughs> oh, we're supposed to stand for the affirmation of faith. Is that correct? All right. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image to live as one community. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through, through faith and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the Church. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning, Bill. Today's minute for mission is actually a minute for stewardship, although related. Uh, our focus today is on the stewardship of our time, our talent, and our treasure, all of which are gifts or blessings from God. As you've been hearing and reading, and certainly this morning with uh, Pastor Kathy's sermon and Mickey's message to the children on the Heifer Project, the theme for our stewardship campaign as well this year is taken from uh, God, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 25. And in this passage, Jesus teaches that when we care for the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, strangers, the sick, and the imprisoned, we care for him. And when we care not for one of the least of these, we care not for him. Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, Jesus teaches that we not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes or where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I think we can apply the same thought to our time and our talent, where when we spend only for things of this world, we miss the mark, as Jesus has laid it out for us. We're reminded throughout Scripture, both the Old and the New Testament, that everything we have is a gift from God and ultimately belongs to God. Our time, our talent, and our treasure has been granted to us for a time by God's grace. We therefore owe a debt of gratitude to God by being good stewards and returning the first portion to him by caring for his children in need. The church is in process and has in fact committed to PCUSA, Presbyterian Church USA, the vision and the invitation in Matthew 25 to three significant goals. Eradicating systemic poverty, dismantling structural racism, and building congregational vitality. We hope through this initiative here at Hamilton Union to have some impact on these important social justice goals in our church, our community, our nation, and the world. This is only possible with the support of all of us, 
We hope to increase the church's pledge of resources of time, talent, and treasure to this important work of, of Christ. So please pray, asking for God's guidance on how you can help with the blessings that you've been granted. Over the next month, you will be hearing more about this initiative. Darlene Bauer has offered to provide some special music next week on stewardship. Others will be speaking at worship over the next month during Minute for Mission and stewardship. We plan to dedicate our pledges to this effort at worship on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, November 21st. Uh, you should by now have received a message uh, from the Stewardship Committee, and we would ask after prayerful consideration that you return those to the church office. You can put them in the offering plate, give them to me or a member of the Stewardship Committee, and we thank you. God bless. Trusting in God's providence, we share not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Let us offer our gifts to God. Let us pray. We have heard what we must do. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. May the offerings we bring this day be a sign of our commitment to be known by our love. Bless these offerings and our loving in your holy name we pray. Amen. We come to you, O oh God, this day filled with the beauty of the earth, the trees that turn colors, and the sky that shows so many different clouds and formations. We feel the cooler air and know that the season is changing. It reminds us of the cycle of life. And we are grateful, O oh God, that we are able to enjoy the life that you have given us. We pray, God, that you would hear our thanksgiving for all that we have, for friends and family, for homes and jobs, for retirement, for love and laughter, for those moments where there is something precious that happens. We ask God that you would be with those around this world who have to fight hard to get a meal, who have no doctors nearby to perform surgery or take care of even the smallest concerns, who don't have a tap that they can turn on and two or three or four places in their homes but have to walk miles for water. We pray for those who cannot plant because the ground is dry or have lost their plants and their harvest because of downpours and fire. Here are our prayers, O oh God, for people we don't know who suffer this day. May somehow their suffering be lessened. May they know, O oh God, of your love. We lift up, O oh God, those people for whom we have concerns this day and ask for your blessing on them. Be with Carol, O oh God, that the postponement may not last long and that her surgery may go well. Be with Megan. 
and Kathy. We ask that their surgeries also will take care of their concerns and that they may be healing soon. We're grateful, O oh God, for those things that happen, for good visits and celebrations of birthdays, for opportunities to get together with people we can't see very often. And we lift up, O oh God, those who mourn this day the loss of loved ones, especially Mary Ann and her family. Be with them, O oh God. May they know of your presence. May you hold them close so that they may receive strength in these difficult times. We thank you, God, for the life that you have given for the love that you have given, especially through your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hymn number 628.
and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be kind and gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Take that peace with you as you leave this place, that the world may know it also. Amen.